Blog Talk Radio. Hey, hey, happy Thursday, y'all. Welcome to Let's Chat. I'm Miss Alicia. You know, I don't have Miss Tony here today. She is sick, so we want to wish Miss Tony a speedy recovery. But y'all know y'all got your girl Alicia here today. This is Let's Chat. We're talking that talk today about staying relevant through industry changes and every industry has a change and you have to um, stay relevant throughout that change and sometimes you have to think outside of the box you have to think outside of the record you have to think outside of the book that you know you have to think to expand your brand you have to push the limits and see what else can you do to to push your brand along so we have three fabulous guests today we have author and publisher Nika Michelle Author and publisher, Tammy Capri, and model. She got some new things going on, child. So I'm excited to talk to Tammy Capri and see what she has in the works. And we have singer and songwriter from the group intro. Yes, from back in the 90s, y'all, Buddy Wick. White, I'm sorry, I said the last name wrong. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And to start it off, we're going to play a little intro for all of y'all who are not familiar with intro. I don't know why not, but just in case you are not, let's get a little intro for you. This is my favorite song. Yeah, I'll call y'all niggas later. Yeah. You ain't gonna call us for these guys, man. <laughs> oh, man. Man, glad to be back home. Check out. Check out. Check out. Check out. Check out. Check out. 
I like when you touch it. Yeah. Bitches, 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 bitches. You want me to do? I'm sorry. Bitches, bitches, I'm back. 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 I
pen with your pen, 24 
fun question to the guests. So if y'all want to hear those, we've had some crazy, crazy, crazy answers. Shout out uh, to some of these guests because we have one. I learned a new version of uh, how to use a taser. Yes, that was that was a, a guest. Yeah, I, uh, yes, I kid y'all not. Yes, they did. So make sure y'all head over to our archives. We're going to have the fabulous Nika Michelle on next. Let me see if she's here, and she is. Welcome, Nika. How are you? I'm fine, sweetie. How are you? How are I you ladies good. today? It's just me. It's been a long time. Sick. Yes. Oh, Tony. You know, as Tony is sick, so it's just me today. But that's okay because well, she is she? listening. She is Hi, Miss Tony. I hope you feel better. Send healing vibes your way over the telephone today. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Nika, you gotta, cause you know, you gotta tell us what you got going on, cause you always got something cooking in your creative kitchen. It's been a minute. We haven't had you in the chat room. You gotta tell us what you got going on, cause I know you had like a few. Um, a few things that just special little things that you was dropping here and there, some little some little nuggets and news. So tell us what you've right. been cooking. Okay. Well, you know, I haven't really been as much of a presence as I used to be. You know, I used to always have something coming, but things have slowed down a little bit lately because I've been trying to get, you know, more into trying to surpass the book thing and hopefully – going to some other venues, ventures, I said venues, wrong B word. But anyway, <laughs> excuse me, I'm just getting over this little cold. But anyways, um, as far as what I have been doing lately, I had a release last year in October. That was my last one before the one I just released, and that one was I'm a standalone. And the title to that one is A Heartless Goon Snatched My Soul. I know the title is very long, but anybody who takes the book out, they will understand the title. Um, I also did a Forbidden Fruit 6. If um, you didn't know that, I did continue the Forbidden Fruit series with a part 6. That was a little bit before oh, the yes, book. Oh, yes, I So, yes, I put out that. And then recently, well, you know, before I talk about the recent release that I released um, last week, I released um, – um, in Love with the Rude Boy, um, that was picked up by Urban Books. So that is now in stores, and that is the collaboration that I did with Raquel Williams. So that was also something that we had. That came out in February, the end of February. So retailers sell books like Target, Walmart, um, Barnes & Noble, Books of Millions, um, anywhere you, books are sold. And then I recently... Um, released a weekend affair, and that's my newest baby. So I just put that out, and it is really doing well. The reviews are really good, so I'm getting a lot of good feedback about it. But it's basically, um, I didn't want to do the typical side chick story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a typical thing, and and I know um, when people see the title and the synopsis. They may assume that it's the cliche little um, girl lost and, you know, or typical gold digger story, but it's really twisted. It's a twisted 
side chicks story. I, I like to twist things up a little bit. I can take, you know, an original. Say, you don't do nothing basic and typical. You better stop. Thank you, Buki. That is such a compliment <laughs> because that's what I really try not to do. And so to have someone notice, because at the end of the day, you know, nothing is new under the sun. Right. Um, every author is going to probably write on the same topics. You know, it's not, Absolutely. you know, anything that you really Your can avoid idea, being really. repetitive. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've always wanted to do that story because it's interesting, but I didn't want to do it the same way. So not to give away too much, but basically this story does not have a whole lot of characters. It's not, you know, a lot of different chapters with different people speaking. It's just one main character. Her name is Nia, and she finds herself in a situation where there's a gun in her face, and it's the wife of the man that she's sleeping with or having an affair with. And basically, they just see each other on the weekends, and you know, it's kind of a tip off of the song by Scissor. But at the same time, it's not the typical side chick story. So she got the gun in her face, and that's on page one. That's what you see in the sample. So I don't mind, you know, giving it away. And it's in the synopsis, so that's not giving too much. But basically, she finds herself in a situation where she's tested, pretty much in the position where she has to bargain for her life, and it's a point where you watch her journey because she decides that she's going to tell this woman her whole story and hopefully gain some kind of sympathy, empathy or something. So as you're reading, I'm showing, not telling. I'm taking you back to help you understand what put Nia in this position in the first place. And then we get to the end and it's like a total unpredictable twisted ending that you would never expect. So I'm getting a lot of good feedback about the ending. And I kind of didn't want to write another one, but it won't be a long, drawn-out series. But I do have a sequel coming because the way the story is written is some loose ends, and I don't like leaving loose ends. I like to tie up everything. So I'm going to tie everything up in part two, and so it'll just be two parts. And then after that, who knows, I might have another Forbidden Fruit book. In the works Yes And I have another Pistols Grip Which I put out a couple years ago Uh That has a title change now It's called Love's Grip And that one has been picked up It went into the stores Right? Yeah Not yet, it will be in June This one, um, Pistols Grip, Love's Grip Will be in stores in June Um, Rude Boy, In Love with the Rude Boy Is already in stores now so, yeah, that's what I've been doing lately. I'm excited <sighs> for you. You know, see, I'm here, let's chat. Me and T, we say it all the time. We we book bougie mm-hmm. over here, and we title right. bougie, too, and we cover bougie. <laughs> so even right. though sometimes the titles might be a little long, I always mm-hmm. stop what I'm doing and pick up a Nika Michelle book. I, that book, I that's, appreciate that. And I'm going to say why, because... I started listening because I work a lot. I'm always busy. I started listening mm-hmm. to more books on audio because it allows me to right. read and, and get my favorite stories in and still not have to stop. And right. I read one of your books. It wasn't on audio mm-hmm. both, but you know how the Amazon can read. It'll read Amazon um, to you. Right. The, those. Mm-hmm. And the one thing mm-hmm. I enjoyed about your book is that it wasn't um, choppy. A lot of times when you Thank listen you. to Kindle books, it's choppy, and I think that's because there's no flow. 
uh, when mm-hmm. sometimes when authors are writing. But I like it. Be, I like the way yours read when I listen to the Kindle book because it's not ch- choppy. It's kind of like an audiobook book. The way you have your detail, the way you let lay it out, your smooth transitions from scene to scene, and it's just I, I so enjoy your pen. So. I'm a fan, so I'm excited Thank that you. you're in the Forbidden Fruit series. But we're going to talk about that, too. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to this Urban Book deal. Tell us mm-hmm. how you got the Urban Book deal. How did that start? Um, how did you get with Carl Weber to, to push that out? Well, it was, like, really funny that you asked that question because most people have – go through a literary agent, which I have been, you know, shopping for a literary agent. And it just so happens in the middle of my shopping, I saw Miss um, Michelle Moore. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but Miss um, oh, Michelle yeah. Moore, she's I love an author. Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love she's her. so sweet. Shout out to Miss Michelle. She was on yes. Facebook um, recent, well, not recently, it was last year, and she was like, um, let's see what authors would like to have your book put in stores, you know, basically. I remember. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm like, me, hello, I'm here. So she contacted me. We spoke, and she was like, well, what do you have to present? You know, let's start off with just, you know, something that you already have, that you've already presented to the readers. And Pistol's Grip did really well with the readers. Um, It was really one of those things, it was kind of like I had a lot of people compare it to Forbidden Fruit, not that it's the same story, but like, okay, this is like pulled me in like Forbidden Fruit did. And right. I really mm-hmm. liked it. I was like, okay, at well, that time, you, you told us you wasn't going to write another Forbidden Fruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I remember that. And you know what's crazy about that? I always say that. I said that after book one, that I would never write another one. Then came book two. After book two, book three. Then I said, okay, that's it. Then book four, then book five, <laughs> then then off the Love and A books, and then I did about that life, which is Diablo's backstory. So Forbidden Fruit, even now the children are growing up. So I have so many characters I could still play with, and um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give away part six. But we had a dilemma in the end of part six that I feel like I can't leave hanging, although I could leave it hanging. I would really like to kind of have Diablo's son, Deontay, Peanut, who is 16, about to be 17, and he's going through a lot of different changes. And I kind of want to play off and maybe if it's not a Forbidden Fruit 7, which 7 is a lucky number, I like the number 7, but I'm kind of thinking of more doing a spinoff. So I'm kind of don't really know which way I want to take that. So hopefully I'll have it in the blueprint soon because I want to do it before this year is out. So I definitely want to do that soon. And I have to also finish up some old projects that are still hanging, like Black Butterfly needs a part five. I don't even know if the readers will go back and read it, but just in case, I do want to close that book out. Um, I had a book called The Empress. It didn't sell that great, but it's still like I like I feel like I'm not really doing this for the money as much as the right. passion. And, mm-hmm. you know, to disappoint your readers starting a story and never finishing it. You know, it's been years, but I would like to give that story a conclusion sure. mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. And somebody go tell Leo Sullivan that we need to finish Zero Degrees. Somebody tell him <laughs> that for me. 
We call right. those hardcore readers. Those those readers you can write on the pack the back of a potato sack. They be like, Girl, did you mm-hmm. get them three lines? She wrote, Yes, child. One they good right. on the back of a potato sack, three lines and they all in. They like, I wonder when right. the next one out. Those are hardcore readers. Those are those those readers that no matter what you put out, no matter how you mm-hmm. put it out, where you put it out, they're gonna pick it up, they're gonna read it and they're gonna always find uh pleasure in mm-hmm. your pen, no matter what direction right. you take them in. Now, exactly. I'm glad that you mentioned your 41st release, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. our topic today is staying relevant through industry changes. How do you find yourself mm-hmm. being able to stay relevant through industry changes um, 41 books in? Because I stay true to myself. I, I really haven't, I don't want to use the word so my soul because it sounds so illuminati and out of the book world. But at the end of the day, I think, to stay relevant, you have to just stay true to you from day one, from book one to book 41. I'm the same person. I've always been mm-hmm. humble. Any readers that I have who contact me, I always respond to them. I'm never involved in book, you know, gossip or mess on social media. I pretty much stay to myself. And I, I know this seems like it has nothing to do with the book industry, but it kind of does because when you keep your sanity you can keep doing what you're doing and keep being really, like, I'm very ethical. I don't steal anything from anybody. I try to, you know, keep my ideas to myself. That's another mistake that people make. You know, they talk to others. There's nothing wrong with having author friends. I have plenty of friends who are authors. But you can't just get on the phone and chop it up about your book topic because somebody else may just take it or not realize they took it because sometimes your thoughts are your thoughts and you don't realize that, this may have been piggybacked off something you may have already read or something someone else said. So you just, you don't really get involved in the changes. You see them happen, right. but you let it just roll by because, like I said, if you have a passion for it, you're going to make sure you stay relevant because I may not push out a book every month anymore, but when I do drop something now, I try to make sure that I stay true to the Nika Michelle I've always been. Like I'm not going to just throw out any crap because, honestly, I could put out a book every month, but it might not be as good if I wait five or six months to do it. You know, I want to make sure it's well written. You know what? Well though? edited. Every mm-hmm. every author, every author can't do it, but there are some mm-hmm. that can. And I say this to say, you have to give your. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. Don't send me no inboxes, y'all. I'm just saying, if you're putting a book out every week, every month, every three weeks. It's a book dropping, it's a book dropping, it's a book dropping. I don't, I do know authors, a lot of authors have things that are already written, which is why there are, mm-hmm. a lot of them are able to drop it so fast because they're already Yes, and that was my case in the beginning of my career, yeah. Right, they just have to tap them, touch them, and put them back out. But I think mm-hmm. that there are some that don't, and I think it's very important to give your readers the ability and time to chew on a book. Chew on the book because right. when we are able to chew on the book, that's how your book gains legs. And I I really mm-hmm. will say most of your books have legs. They have legs where they'll mm-hmm. move themselves and you don't have to necessarily mm-hmm. move them. And that is really mm-hmm. the goal, uh, ultimate goal of an author, it's in the words right. of Victoria Christopher Murray, is for your book to have legs. But you got to give mm-hmm. us time to chew on it. And I believe if you put a book out every six months or every five months, even once a year, I think that the readers would still be chewing on that other book. And then Mm -hmm. because what will happen is 
we'll get that book, especially if it's a new book, because, you know, your readers, that's your word of mouth. So we'll get that book. Right. We'll go back to your library and read something else. Mm-hmm. And then by the mm-hmm. time we do all of that, it's another one out. But we've had right. time to chew on it. We've we've had time to absorb your pen. We've enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. We've gone out and checked some, some of your other great writings out. And I think that's what authors really should do. Spread out your work. Mm-hmm. Don't drop mm-hmm. all at the same time. I think when, especially with Kindle, I think Kindle makes readers anxious. It makes us right. anxious that we, we think of you guys, mm-hmm. start thinking of you guys as uh, machines. Like, mm-hmm. how it don't take that long to write a book. It don't take that long to put it out without understanding the process. And so right, and remember how the process can... used to be. The process used to be long. You Longer. had to wait four or five years for your favorite author to put out a book. They had that one That's book right. on tour for years that pay when paperbacks were out, and it wasn't a lot of authors. We only had mm-hmm. like a pick of the litter, and you could never contact them on social media, or you That's could right. send them a fan letter or something, and they had a fan club. But, you know, it's good that we are more accessible, but like you said, that accessibility makes it seem like, okay, this Kindle is convenient. So it's no need for you to take all that time, but you still have to craft that novel. You still have to have it edited, proofread. You have to have it test read. You have to get a nice cover. You have to – your synopsis sometimes takes longer to write than the book. So Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it's very tedious. It is. And like it you is. said, it was easy for me to put out books back-to-back because – I have Forbidden Fruit already written. I have Black Butterfly already written. Zero mm-hmm. Degrees has already started. And then I collaborated with Leo and finished that one. And I'm, The Nikki Ain't Free was already written. So back when I first started, I had a slew of books to just throw out. And people were like, oh, God, like, how do you write a book in 30 days? I probably really can't. It's just these books are already done. I could write a book in 30 days, but it probably wouldn't be my best work. So Right. And that's not taken away from thing. anybody else, but yeah. But that's the other thing. People write so fast; they throw up on the paper. They send it. They send it to the editor, and it's like, oh, I'm done. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. I think that they they get so wrapped up in the editor finishing out their work, and the editor is not there to write your work. They're they're not getting any coin, but the coin that right. you're giving them for the edits. But and I'm an know, editor, so I can. Say that it's exactly. A fact. <laughs> go ahead. So when you don't go through your work, if you don't proofread it, if you don't invest in a in a beta read, if you don't invest in you, your brand and your product, when you mm-hmm. go to the editor, it becomes a waste of money. Why? Because they're going to give you so many different edits that you have to do that they're not only are they going to send you those edits, they're going to send you another invoice because they're only going right. to touch it so many times. And because it needs an additional touch here and there, now you got another invoice for mm-hmm. a little bit more because they had to do mm-hmm. more work on the book had you just taken right. your time and gone through the book the first place in, in the first place and reread it yourself, not just get it back from an editor and know what kind of editor you have. A lot of authors don't know. They don't know the difference yeah. between an editor and an editor that's going to do development. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They just that their sister is a teacher and she's an English mm-hmm. teacher. She's going to edit it. But there's a difference. English is and grammar is grammar wherever you go. However, when mm-hmm. you're writing for people to read and buy it, it's different from mm-hmm. creative writing. You have some authors that are great creative writing authors. That means if they mm-hmm. turn a paper in, they will get an A. But if they try to turn right. that book to a 
something to help them make money and sell to other people, it may not do as well. Why? Because you're missing some elements of show and tell or different mm-hmm. things that, that you're not doing too much description, not enough description. And so you have right. to have somebody that is really skilled and able to guide you through that process of preparing it to be printed for people to be you're able to read right. and enjoy. But my question to you right. is, people with series, mm-hmm. when do you know to extend a series or cut a series short? I see so many people that, and don't send me no email inbox, I'm just saying, so many people have like 20 <laughs> book series. It's like, or or they, not even the 20 book series, they had the same book for three years that they're trying to push. At this point in time, mm-hmm. if you haven't gotten, and it doesn't have legs, and you haven't gotten where you wanted it to go, how mm-hmm. do they know when enough is enough and it's time to move on and add it to their library? I think, you know, it depends on the author's mentality. Me personally, I have a few standalones, and I knew right then and there that no matter what my readers say, this book is over. It will not continue. Now, as far as the ones that I keep going with, like Forbidden Fruit 7, I said 7. I'm not writing that. Why did I say that? I didn't, I'm not writing that, y'all. That slipped out of my mouth. Um, with Forbidden Fruit getting all the way up to book 6, it was a matter of, and a lot of people argue about this, um, your readers can't decide, you know, what you decide to do with your book. That's true. But I will admit that my readers have influenced that series to go that far. Now, mind you, I love the characters too. So when I get inboxes or emails of, um, it would be nice to have a part four or a part five or a part six, as an author, you have to really strategize that and make sure you can really give a good story to continue uh-huh. to compete with the other book because that was always my fear. Like, I'm not retiring my career, but I'm retiring the series type of attitude. Like, okay, when you retire, you want to retire on a good note. Like uh-huh. Michael Jordan, uh-huh. when he was playing basketball. You wanted, when he retired, he was still at the top of his game. He didn't wait until right. his stats went down. He didn't wait until his career was awful because he knew I can't walk away from this looking like, oh, God, ooh. You know, so I always thought about that with Forbidden Fruit. So before I ever would put out a sequel or continue the story, I would make sure, like you said, that this story could have legs and it could actually have a storyline that's just a little bit different from the previous but just as good, and that was always my fear. So you always have to know when is a good stopping point. Now, personally, I've never read a book past the part three. And I respect the people who will get to my part three and forbidden fruit and say, okay, that's it. That's great. This is where you are fine with the story and you may not want to watch anymore. Just like with soap operas. I don't watch Young and the Restless anymore. I'm okay with what uh-huh. I saw 20 years ago. and that is, But that story is still going. You know, the soap operas, they still go. There's always something they can come up with. So at the end of the day, I think it's at the discretion of the author. If you have people who still want to read part 20 of whatever the book is, and you still have a following and they're willing to support, then by all means do it. But I think as an author, we also have to not put the control in the hands of the readers and know when it's time to bow out. So I really think you really have to gauge your career and not commit career suicide. With that said, I did do Forbidden Fruit 6. It did very well. It didn't do as good as the previous books, but I did it because, I love the characters. I enjoy writing about Diablo and Ayana and them. Like it's like 
I miss them when I don't. So it's kind of for me, too. Like if only one person read it, I would have still have done it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's really up to the author. And I don't really like to be the one to be like, oh, because I've seen some authors who have like 10 parts to a book or 20 parts to a series. And they still have people following it. So I'm like, with all more power to you, you know, do your thing. But I think it is a time when you have to gracefully bow and be like, okay, let's not ruin a good thing. And I worry about that with Forbidden Fruit. So that's why I may just stop at number six. I'm not sure because, like I said, number six did pretty well. The reviews are really good. So I'm like, do I want to kind of break this? Or do I want to just let it stay there? So it's a battle, I think, constantly and with the And I mean, yes. and, and you don't have to, like you said, you don't have to come right back to it. Like it can right. sit, it can sit, let them chew on it for a minute. I mean, it could be a spinoff. You could take a character and spin them off into another six, a six book series. It just depends. Mm-hmm. But I right. understand what you're saying. You want them if it's going to get you legs and it's going to move you forward. Mm-hmm. Do you see it maybe mm-hmm. going to the big screen? That is what I really would love. Like, it is so amazing that you asked me that because from day one, when Forbidden Fruit was my only book, I could see that as a as a movie. And I have a lot of people tell me when they read the Forbidden Fruit series, it's like a movie in their head. And a lot of people are like, I would really love to see this. And by the point of it being, you know, so many other books, it pushed it from movie to maybe a series like Power. We need more urban shows and more elements of the urban literature because it's not really taken seriously. But if you think about urban, it's not just black urban things. If you think about a lot of urban movies that we watch, urban is really just a place, a setting. It's in a city, a metro area. Uh So if we could get more of our faces on TV because, yeah, I don't know if you um, finished. I'm not sure how far you went in the Forbidden Fruit series, but it's not just a story about drugs or the streets. The first Forbidden Fruit book never mentioned anything except for mentioning the drugs. It was never any drug deals. I didn't have a bunch of shootouts in Forbidden Fruit. It was just the story of the girlfriend. And I got that idea because yeah. when I watched Belly, I always wanted to know Keisha's story. Outside of the element of the streets, Keisha was always home, always faithful to Tommy. And I, as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, okay, um, I would like to give the story of the girl who's with this type of guy. What does she go through mentally? How is How does she feel? Is she able to deal with these things? So I kind of wanted to give the point of view of the kingpin or the drug dealer's girlfriend that's really faithful, and she's not that girl that's out in the street running drugs for him. You know, all men in that situation don't pull women in to be their um, – now I'm all the urban terminology is going out of my head, but the mule, the person who's going to go around with the drugs on them, you know, he – Diablo was who he was. He was not a faithful man, but the level of respect he had for Yana was still very high. And I kind of wanted to just show the conflict of that world, and I never want to glorify anything that's illegal. But I knew the perspective of the girlfriend of the drug dealer because I went through that stupid phase that a lot of young girls go through when you want the bad guy, the so-called bad guy, 
or the drug dealer because he can buy you things and you're 19 and a 19-year-old boy who works at McDonald's just can't do the same thing. So I just wanted to show that mentality and how as women we have to look past things and a guy's persona and get to know a person for who they really are. So the story was deeper than a street story because a lot of people were like, this isn't really street lit. This is, you can't really consider this street lit. So I kind of wanted to make it more street. So in part three, I kind of gave Diablo and the men's point of view. And so I felt like if this was a series, you could get everybody's story. Like you, if you've read it, you know you get everybody's story. I went and gave Maya's point of view. You get Prince's point of view. You get all the men's point of view. So it's mm-hmm. so many perspectives that can be shown. So I'm like, this would be really good as a TV show. Well, you know, something on HBO or Showtime because it definitely, I do not want it on BET. <laughs> <laughs> I do not true. want it watered down. Look at channel, that movies and mysteries, mm-hmm. those are all books. Um, and most right. most shows that come on TV are books. They're books that somebody has written. They're like, yeah, even movies. Exactly. If you go back to Joan Crawford, a lot of movies that she did, they were books. They were books that they, they were like, oh, this is good. So a book mm-hmm. is always, uh, and movies, I think they go hand in hand. So we always right. do something fun. Before you leave out of the chat room, I wanna, I'm going to do my best to give, because Tony always gives these good questions that she, I don't know where mm-hmm. she gets them from. She gets them out from her magical <laughs> guy, I'm just saying. So I'm going to ask, if you are if you a new addition to a crayon box, what color would you mm-hmm. be and why? Hmm. Can it be a? It, have, it will. It would have to be. You're a the crayon. Color. You could be whatever color you I'm want. The to crayon. Be. I would. I would have said orange if Trump wasn't the president. So I'm not. <laughs> that's my favorite color. But I don't want to say orange. Um. I think I would probably be probably be a peachy kind of color. Something. I'm, I, I, it would be a bright color. I know it would be something like peach. You know how when you get the big, the great big one, and it has all the uh-huh, colors? It's got all the multiple different colors. Mm-hmm. Right. I would be something like peach and a little magenta. I would just make up a color. I want a little purple with some peach. Something sweet that'll make you think of a fruit. Because I'm just, I don't know. That's just me. I'm just, I'm a really sweet person. But I'm, I can have a little sour side, so you know that's what it could be. I'm gonna beat my dog to death. I'm really about to beat my dog to death. Yeah, I just admitted to a crime on, um, in public like this. But my dog just really, literally came in here and peed on my floor, <laughs> in my bedroom. But yes, I would be a mixed up crayon. I'm gonna beat her butt as soon as we hang up. But um, <laughs> I would definitely be a peachy purple color. I don't know what the name of it would be. <laughs> but That's you know the right. colors in the in the sunset when the sun is setting and it, the sky is uh-huh. kind of like pinkish and purple and orange, something like that. Yeah, that would be me. I like okay. that. It's very relaxing and it's very pretty and it's still uplifting. So yeah. But don't get it mistaken, y'all. I'm not just sweet. You know, I can't be sour. I have a little sweet and sour candy. <laughs> That's all I right. I can't have that side. But, yes, That's that was a right. good question. Everybody got that. I want to turn Everybody that question around on you, right. Leisha. What color would you be? Oh, 
I'll answer at the end of the show. I'm writing down, okay. and I'm answer at the end of the show. <laughs> so that way, I can keep the flow going. I, I gotta think right. about it. Right. Right. <laughs> I want to be a rich, unique color. You know, I want to yeah. be. Uh, I want to be always duplicated, but I don't want people to always be able to get that exact same shade. Right, right. Something custom. I like exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So I, like I don't it. know exactly what color it would be, but it would be a color that people will always try to duplicate but never be able to just quite get that shade. Like, it's still not right. You take the picture and put it next to something. No, that's not it. No, I'm that ain't that it either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the color I want to be. That's the color I want to be. So we want to appreciate you for coming and kicking with us here in the chat room. Make sure you shout out, shout out all of your social media where all your books are sold so that readers can go through and pull up on them. All righty. Okay, of course, you can find me on Facebook as Nika Michelle. I also have a reader group for you to join. It's called Nika Michelle Readers. It hasn't really been popping like that lately, but I'm working on some fresh ideas to get it back to, you know, what it used to be. Of course, I'm Nika Michelle, author, Nika Michelle on Instagram. I'm Urban Literate on Twitter. All of my books are available on Amazon. Most of them are in paperback. I have a few that I'm working on putting in paperback now. Um, so you can always go to my author page on Amazon. It will have all of my books and you go to Walmart, your local Target, you can pick up In Love with the Rude Boy, and hopefully soon you will see more Nika Michelle on the shelves. So thank you so much for having me, Alicia. It's been a long time. Let's not let it yes. be this long again before Absolutely I come up in not. the chat. Well, you know what? You can always just, whenever you want to throw, roll through, just let me know. And be like, Alicia, it's time. I'm, I'm like, I got you. <laughs> I'm certainly, and I would definitely love to come back when um, A Weekend Affair 2 is out and anybody who's listening, the first person who refers to this show in my inbox will get a free autographed copy of In Love with the Rube or the paperback and a Kindle copy of my latest release. And I would love to come back when part two comes out so we can kind of chop it up again. Absolutely. I can't wait. I'm excited for you. I appreciate you taking time out. I can't wait to see how far your career is going to go. I know you're going to branch out and do some other things. I'm excited to see Forbidden Fruit on the screen. You know, if you need to shop around, she's my role model. So That's right. Hopefully. Ain't nothing wrong with it. We're (laughs) excited for you. Thank you so much, sweetie. You have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love when Nick and Michelle comes on. I love it when I'm able to to just sit down and talk to my favorite authors. I have authors that are my favorite, even though T and I are really book bougie over here. But, you know, there are some authors that their pens are really, really, really dynamic, and they just can't help but to make us fans. And so I'm excited that we have... Uh, our next guest, the fabulous Tammy Capri up in this piece. And I do, Tammy does a little bit more than books. She actually does um, my covers for my publishing company. I appreciate all the work she puts in, even though I know she'd be like, this Leisha is too picky for her own good. <laughs> 
but I so appreciate her. We had Nika Michelle, if you're just tuning in, make sure you go back, check out our archives at uh, com or any podcast app or even iTunes. Check out our previous interviews. Now we have the fabulous Tammy Capri. Hey. Hi, Lee. Hi. How are, How are you? you? I'm on here again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Ciao. We, we got to talk about these, this thing, this decision you've made now. We're oh going to get God. there, but Ciao, we got to talk about it. You got to let us know what you got going on in your creative kitchen. Uh, well, um, Thank you again for having me on. I was so happy when you um, hit me up. Like, you know, I will definitely come on for you. And I heard what you said about your covers. You are not too picky for me. None of my um, graphic design clients are ever too picky, and I am a please. So um, don't ever, ever think that. Um, but, yes, um, so hello, everybody who's listening. It's Tammy Capri. If you're not familiar with me, um, I was author, publisher, owner of New Class Publications with quite a few authors, quite a few bestsellers. I've um, been in the game for about five, six years now. Um, so, yeah, uh, I just love writing, graphic design, taught a few classes, sold um, abundance of, of covers, and just had my hands all up in the mix. Um, but recently... What Ms. Leash is referring to, um, I decided to um, put my pen away, take a break. Well, not even a break, but um, kind of retire uh, from the game. And it sounds funny for me to say retire because I was so, like, young in the game. You know what I mean? Like, normally um, people who write books, like, the vets, they end up for, like, 20, 30 years. Um, but, I, girl, I've been going through so much. I don't know if you know still hear me, Lee? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you know, but I recently went through a divorce. And the outcome, hold on, baby, is just, wait one second, baby. Wait one second. All right, you can tell me. Um, I recently went through a whole divorce, and that kind of is what, well, not kind of, but that is what drove the decision behind me putting down uh, my pen and starting up my new company. Uh, my husband and I didn't have a prenup, and not to get too much into my business, but um, I didn't have a prenup, and the company was a metal asset. So it was a lot of fighting back and forth, and, and he was suing me for spousal support, and going after my companies, and even though he had his own. Um, but, yeah, we literally just finished with all the courts and everything, my divorce was final January of this year, which is why I decided to um, – Move forward with my next um, my next baby, we take the free. Okay, so tell us about uh, your new baby. What is the new product you have on? What is it? What will you be doing? Since you won't be giving us so, a right away, we're not gonna say retire. Retire is such a that's such a final word. We're not gonna say retire. We're gonna say just not right now. Yeah, well, we won't say retire. Okay, because you never know what the future holds. But I'm not going to say baby. Um, but Lichay Capri is my clothing line, my clothing brand. And hold on. Baby, you've been so distracted. Wait a minute. Lichay Capri is my clothing line. I, I definitely apologize. So she was just sleep. <laughs> and you know how little kids get. Goodness gracious. Um, 
Yeah, so that's my clothing line, and it um, the acronym stands for Life Energy Can Conquer Everything because I believe that that's how my life has been for the last year. So if I was in a good mood, it was good. If I was in a bad mood, it was bad. Um, yeah, that's, that's plus size, specializing in men, women, kids. Um, so I've been moving forward, pushing forward, trying to get this up and off the ground with my designs and seamstress and everything. So it's been a lot of work, a lot of work. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you yeah. and all that you have going on. And so you have your clothing line. Are you going to open up a boutique with that? Well, the goal is um, I'm doing a soft launch on June 9th. June 9th is um, two days before my birthday. So I'm doing like a little birthday party, a celebration of life. Um, I don't want to call it a divorce celebration because I don't like the term divorce. Because it's unfortunate that our like our union had to crumble, but um, it's like a new beginnings party. And we're going to launch then by June of next year. I plan to have the grand opening to the physical location. So I'm pushing. I am pushing. All the money that I had to, um, um, we liquidated the company with new class, and then we had to split that money. So I just reinvested that money into this business. So, yeah, I'm all in. I am all in. And I know people ask me, and I still keep in touch with a lot of the authors um, that was on new class. And they ask all the time, are you going to start another publishing company? Are you going to do something in the industry? And honestly, it would um, – it would be too depressing to jump back into publishing, jump back into books, because that was my baby. I literally cried for months when my lawyer told me the options I had with the company because his name was on the company. So it would be too depressing for me to start all over. You guys still have um, a fan base. of people asking me, well, when is this book coming out? Well, what are you doing next? Are you still around? Like, And I know I could do it, but my focus it wouldn't be right um, because New Class was my baby. I don't want to grow another publishing company because New Class was my baby. Um, so I'm all in with a chance. So I use that money to to get, to go all in with this. So like I'm I'm definitely vested in this, and um, it will be online. The online boutique launches June 9th, and I hope you guys still support me in the book world because um, fashion is just another industry and we all got to wear clothes and I want to specialize in, well, I'm not going to, but I am going to specialize in plus size high fashion because there are a lot of designers who don't um, um, it's offer just plain old ugly. Go ahead, I'll put it out there. Plain right, it's plain old ugly. Like, ugly. Even when I was a teenager, um, there was never any, like, I couldn't get a, a Gucci sweatsuit in my size. You know what I mean? I couldn't get a Chanel sweatsuit in my size. And especially for the young plus size, um, and, and anybody can say, yeah, we'll just lose weight or you just, but unfortunately life does not work that way. It doesn't happen right. quickly. You know what I mean? But we still want to be mm-hmm. cute. And for the young plus size girls, they want to be fashionable. And Absolutely. quite frankly, Lane Bryant, Ashley Stewart, yeah, they offer those extended sizes, but it's not fashionable to the young urban culture and you're in high school and you want to wear that Adidas sweatsuit or you want to wear something with, you get what I'm saying? And there's no out there that's like that. That's 
and the quality yeah the quality of clothes is not even um what you would expect for the amount of money that you have to pay so i definitely understand Absolutely. that and Absolutely. you know we talked about this a little bit um yesterday when we spoke but i think that uh, and that goes along with our topic is staying relevant through industry changes all industries mm-hmm. have changed and change one requires you to be realistic about your position right. now and your vision. And your vision does not have to be boxed into a box. You don't have to just be set in, I'm an author, and this is what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? Seven right. streams of income. Books is just one of those streams. Okay, so you have an, you're just adding another stream. That's why I say never say retire because I'm quite sure we will get another Tammy Capri book. Um, I'm quite <laughs> sure you will get the publishing bug again. I'm quite sure it's just not right now, and that's okay. You know, right now you, you're yeah. going into your other stream, but eventually you're going to have multiple streams going at one time, and each stream is going to have its own legs. So even though you're not writing, your books have legs. You still have a fan base, so therefore you're going to have more fans, more people with legs. That word of mouth is still going to be going because people are going to be going back to your library. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it's not, you are absolutely just not right. right now. Just not right now, yes. but it's okay. And, and you, you know, know because going into going into the publishing game, I think for everyone, um, not to speak for everyone, but for everyone, it really is a stepping stone. Um, because I know, like, I've talked to a lot of authors. Like, I um, had conversations with the best, like, and the ones that I came up with, like the Raquels and um, the Zaras and even Nika. Like, if you... Um, ask them, it's like, what, like, they're with Carl Weber now, you know what I mean? So it's like, the plan is to grow. Who knows, their um, books will eventually go to movies. That's another string. Right. So I think writing is just a way in, but it's a tool that we use because at the end of the day, we're branding ourselves. You know what I mean? Definitely. So Tammy Capri, like, that's trademark. So that's why I'm going to always be Tammy Capri. Um, and plus I have the Tammy Capri Foundation that I'm getting my hands back into. I started it a while back, but because everything was so hectic with new class and um, I just didn't have time to devote to my foundation. But I am getting back into that. You know what I mean? So Tammy Capri is forever in the day, um, this trademark. Um, but as far as the revenues I take, and I think that's what is the positive that came out of being in the book industry and meeting so many people and doing so many covers and just networking is that people actually built that relationship, so to speak, with me and not just with my books. You know what I mean? Because I got people in my own books, and Ebony especially her. Like, I love Ebony Abbey. Like, shout to Ebony and her husband. But it's like, like those those authors will reach out. Like, well, whatever whatever you're doing, Tammy, let me know. Or even passion. Like, I just love the relationships that I built. And, and honestly, going through um, my divorce and making this decision, I really honestly truly see who is just business with and who was actually there for me during my time of need. You know what I mean? Because it was right. like a lot of people disappeared or a lot of people like, and, and, it was like, and that's okay, but it's like I had to refocus with team and I had to say, okay, what is best for me? Because obviously, mm-hmm. like I have to do it. I'm the only one that really have to go through it and I have to do this. So, um, but yeah, it's just about branding, period. So I branded myself as Tim Gibby's author, and then the graphic designer, and then the publisher, and then now um, I did okay, yeah, <laughs> designer. 
um, fashion empire. We're going to speak this into in, into the uh, existence. <laughs> um, and I did um, do a little bit of modeling. I was um, a part of a, a model organization when I was in college, so that's what made me want to go back to um, Curvy Girls Dollhouse, which was another organization that I started, which helps plus-size models um, be more on the forefront. So right. that allows um, my plus, and I have um, about eight dolls. I love my dolls to death. They're so sweet, um, and they're actually going on their auditions, and um, one of them, she's doing um, Curves of D.C., so they're actually doing something. I want to promote plus-size friendly events, which hence why I wanted to start the clothing line. So it all ties into one, and it's just me now in the new lane, and it's always been a part of me, but it's just I'm tapping into a second love that I have, so. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for everything that you have going on. I'm excited for the vision that you have. I'm not worried about you not writing a book. I could pass out like Will Smith, you know, and be dramatic, but I'm not. (laughs) I know that, you know, everything happens for a reason, and when your pen comes back, it's going to come back more fierce on a different level. And so we're excited for you. You know, anytime you need us. Just let us know when you have your first clothing line. Let me know. Drop me the link so I can purchase me some things. Cause you know I'm I definitely will. <laughs> I now definitely before you will. step you out so of the, <laughs> you are more than welcome. Before you step out of the chat room, I want oh, to. Oh, my daughter is going off. Oh Lord Jesus. Shout out to social she media so, so you can get to the baby. Shout out to social media where everybody can get to you. Um and when they can expect that clothing line. All right, well, um, Lee Che Capri is dropping 6 nine, eighteen, And if you're in the Philadelphia area, if you're listening, um, I would love to have you at the launch party. Um, it's going to be on 26th in Oxford, 8 p.m., um, and that's at L-E-C-C-E-C-A-P-R-I on Instagram. Um, but my personal page, my, none of my personal pages have changed. On Facebook, I'm Tammy Capri. On Instagram, I'm Tammy underscore Capri. I'm on Twitter as Tammy Capri, but I don't post as much. You can find me on Snapchat, Tammy Capri. Um, my website, TammyCapri.net. Um, everything is Tammy Capri. So um, if you're already rocking with me, I thank you. Um, I ask you to continue to rock with me, um, and I definitely, definitely think that you will love everything that's um, about to come your way. And I also want to give a major, major shout-out to um, Marie Norfleet. Um, she's another fellow author, graphic designer. She's like another powerhouse that does printing and everything. She printed up a lot of my samples for me um, um, that I needed done, So, um, and I'm definitely so appreciative of her and her support of me moving into this uh, new direction. But, yep, everything, social media, Tammy Capri. Oh, and then Leash, too. Um, I do want to say this for anyone who's listening um, and any of my – because I do a lot of covers. I I do a lot of covers for a lot of authors, and I know I'm trying to get the word out, um, but after this month, I will not be doing graphic design anymore as well. So I'm finishing up my order list. And new orders just came in crazy. I made a post yesterday, and I got, like, eight orders since making that post. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but after this month, I have to put all my focus on into the take a free. And, unfortunately, graphic design um, doesn't uh, trump anything right now. So I have to kind of put that to the side. So, um, 
yep, that's another another announcement that I got going on. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I will be having some crazy crazy sales the last week of this month, like the um, because what I'm doing is working with my um interns and. We're creating, we didn't post anything yet, but we're creating um, a whole bunch of pre-made covers. So the last week of this month, all of those, because we have to get, we have like stock photos for days. It's downloaded, and so they won't go to waste. We're just making cover after cover after cover, and we're posting them all at once. That's why I haven't posted any pre-mades in my group um, recently either. But the last week of this month, we're posting a whole bunch, and you may even see some go for $5, $10, $15. So it's going to be a crazy, crazy sale, kind of like a clearance sale at the end of this month. So just make sure you watch out for that. And if you're not in my group, you got to get in my group, New Class Designs. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you. You know that we always appreciate you rocking with us here on Let's Chat. And, again, you know I'm always here. When your line drops, just let me know. Latino, and we make sure that we get those links shared out for you. I sure will. Where is Tony? Hey, Miss Tony, is she listening? She's sick. Yes, you know she's in New oh. York, and with all that snow, Tony is sick. So no, she's not wait. on with us and today. Oh, they are. No, this was crazy. Not too far from yeah, here. I'm hoping the, it's not coming this way. Mm-hmm. She got the New York heebie-jeebies, but that's all right. Oh, you know. <laughs> well, I'm sending <laughs> you my prayers, Miss Tony, if you're listening. Feel better, Miss Tony. And, again, thank you, Leisha, and thank you to everyone who's supporting me. And, again, look out for the shake of pray. Not a problem. We know we appreciate you, Tammy, and we always will support you. Until your next book comes all out, right. cause I'm going to say it's going to be later <laughs> on. But that's all right. I'm be ready. Hey, speak anything is possible. Anything is possible, and I'm I'm a firm believer of that. But yeah, let me go in here and get this baby because she is screaming the holler. I had to come into my bathroom in my room to get away from the noise. But let me go check her out. Absolutely. Y'all have a good night, and I thank y'all again so much. So, so we much. thank you. All right, bye bye. All right, okay, bye bye. Yes, I love it. It's 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 always hard when you have great authors that are venturing off doing other things, but I think that's part of staying relevant. Staying relevant in any industry, you have to be able to branch out and pull your vision into different directions. I don't think that painting yourself into a box of saying this is all I have to do. Um this is all I'm going to do because that's not all you're going to do. It's going to take you into other avenues, other things, other dimensions, different levels, and everybody can't go with you, and it's okay. And so we appreciate her coming on, coming to share things with us. If you're just tuning in, this is Les Chat. I am Miss Felicia. You know we're talking that talk today about staying relevant through industry changes. We have had two fabulous guests, so if you've missed those interviews, no worries. Just go back and check out our archives here on blogtalk.com. You can actually pick us up on any podcast app as well as iTunes. We have our next fabulous guest, so I'm really, really excited trying not to have a fan moment because we have singer-songwriter from the group Intro. I know y'all remember Intro from back in the 90s. They are a fabulous group, one of my favorite, favorites of all time, so I'm excited to have Buddy in the chat room. Hi, how are you? Hey, how you doing? All right, I'm good. How are you? 
I was I'm just good. listening in. Good. I was just listening to the show. The real interesting uh, interview there, and good luck with the clothing line and all of the uh, the new endeavors. I see y'all surrounding yourself with a lot of positive people. Absolutely, and you have to. You know, you you have to. People, I mean, when you're creative, creativity is not limited to just one thing. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 it takes you into different avenues. You have some people that. You know, they go from music and then they, they go to acting or, you know, acting to music. I, I think that it's good wherever your creativity takes you, your fan base will follow. Yep. And I'm glad I heard her kids in the background because my daughter is going to come in here. I guarantee it. I guarantee <laughs> at some point during this interview she's going to pop in here because um, I normally put it at bed around 830, but she has a little soccer ball in her hand running around. So how y'all doing? <laughs> Um, thanks for I having me on my here. Co- no problem. My co-host, she's sick, so it's just me. I'm excited, okay. though. She is sad that she's not able to be on because we were just Tony talking about this that. Is this is Leisha. This is Leisha. Yes, Miss Tony yeah, is sick. Yeah, this is Leisha. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so better. So I'm ex- yes, thank you. So I'm excited because I love intro. I already played Come Inside because that's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, now, you. When intro started, it was you, uh, Jeff, and Kenny. Um, you guys Correct. lost Kenny Correct. in 2001. And Correct. what I want to talk about how you guys started, because you started really uniquely. You guys were in the Army? Tell us um, a little bit about the story me, about how intro got started. Okay. Well, um, I was in the Army at, at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and Kenny was in the Army at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And um, we have a, another friend named Ken Thomas. At the time, I was in a rap group with a with a friend of mine named Nelson. And my friend Ken Thomas told me that he knew a guy, another guy named Ken, who could sing real good. And he wanted me to meet him. And he was talking about Kenny Green. So um, I met Ken, and Ken started singing like the hooks on the the rap songs that we were trying to do. Come and find out, Kenny was a great rapper as well. So we kind of started doing some rap music, and um, even though we all had, like, we came from gospel, you know, at that time, rap was the new emerging music, and we wanted to be a part of it. So mm-hmm. when we'd go to the recreation center on Sundays, I played the piano, and Kenny would start writing songs, and those songs started turning more into rhythm and blues songs than rap songs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then what I don't know what you want me in? to stop. Yeah, where did okay, Jeff so, come in? Because the three okay. of y'all, so, y'all were off, y'all were in the military, y'all hooked up so, there. So where did Jeff come yeah. in? So um, the war the war broke out, so I went to the Gulf War. At this time, Kenny had got out of the Army. Um, after the Gulf War, which, well, not after the Gulf War, but about seven months later, I came back from the Gulf War. Kenny had left from North Carolina and went back to Detroit. Um. During that time, I, I didn't. I had no idea where Kenny was at. All I knew was that during the war, I had a cassette from this lady named Layla Hathaway, who reminded me a lot of Kenny. And I was like, man, if she could make it, we could make it. So I got, I got back to North Carolina. I hunted, I hunted all over the place for Kenny Green, Kenny Green, Kenny Green. I couldn't find nowhere. I was just asking people, you know, this guy named Kenny could sing real good. 
And it was one time somebody said, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. His name is Ken. Yeah, he lives over here. Anyway, so I got off work. I went over there. Sure enough, I met a guy named Kenny who could really sing, but it wasn't Kenny Green. <laughs> so um, make a long story short, um, I started looking for another person for the group, and um, a guy named Peekaboo who danced for Kwame told me that he knew a guy in New York that could sing, and he was speaking about Jeff. So I came up to New York, and I met Jeff. So now at this point, it's me, Jeff, and Nelson. So um, prior to all of this, uh, me and Kenny and Nelson put a, a house music record out called Under Your Spell, which was like a, a dance music because it, it was a dance label. And now mm-hmm. they didn't want us to do R&B. They didn't want us to do rap because they just marketed um, dance music songs pretty much in Russia. Really? The guy name was Ed the Red. Mm-hmm. It's called. Um, if you go, if you Google intro under your spell, you'll hear us doing like our very first single was like a dance music record. So not being able to find Ken, um, I met Jeff, and the three of us went back to the label, and they they was pretty much not even interested because you know the dynamic behind Kenny's voice and talent. So I left there a little disgruntled. We went. I got back in my car, drove back to North Carolina, and that night when I got back in. And this is before cell phones and pretty much before pages. On my call ID, I had a number from a 313 number. It was in the middle of the night, so I waited till the morning to call. I called the next morning, and it was Kenny Green. So we, we chopped it up. He came back to North Carolina two days later. That next weekend, we came up to New York. He met Jeff. Um, we went out to a club called The Red Zone. And on our way out to the club, we were just getting familiar with each other's voices, and we were singing this song by Jodeci and Heavy D called Peaceful Journey. And are you familiar with the song? It's like mm-hmm. a real good singing song. If you're on my mind, and I wish you a peaceful journey, but I hope you hear me. And it has some really good harmonies in it, so we were singing that on the way out. And when we got to the club, we met Heavy D. And we told him that. We said, hey, man, we were just singing your song on the way out here to the club. He's like, let me hear it. So we sang that song for him. He took our number, and two weeks later, we went back. We went back down to North Carolina, like that Sunday. But two weeks later, had called Jeff's mother house and told him to uh, told her to have us get in touch with him. He wanted us to um, uh, he wanted to introduce us to Eddie F, who was his DJ and producer, who was starting a new production company. Mm-hmm. And keep going. <laughs> or hey, hey, we get this is, this, is, this is history, honey. This is okay. history. This is history. So, so we we rush up to New York. We go to Eddie's office. We sit in the office and we meet with him for about an hour. Um, we have some demos prior to signing to Untouch Wood. I, I, I have produced a couple of songs for us. And he didn't tell us if, if he was going to give us a deal or not, but we sat there and we talked. And, um, we actually went to a store with him. He was he went to buy some music equipment, so he had a studio. Then we went back up went back up to the office, talked a little while longer, and we probably was in the, his office for about three or four hours that day. And then the next day he called, told us to come to the studio. We get over to the studio with the girl sitting in on the couch in his house, and she's just chilling out. And was like, hey, what's up? How you doing? All right, I'm here, just you know, putting some songs together. And I'm like, all right, cool. All right, we go down in the studio. We start working, like, immediately, like, start putting songs together. And the girl sitting on the couch ends up being Mary J. Blige later on. 
but um, we started working on songs, and he put us in the studio with Mary on the first album. We did, um, well, we actually started recording the songs for, for our album, Reminisce, My Love and Love No Limit. We recorded those mm. songs in our voice. But um, being that Mary was working on the album and she had just got a deal with MCA, they pulled those songs off of our album and turned them into a female song. And uh, Mary re-sang the songs. Originally, those the leads were Kenny's. And, I mean, you, you know, from those really? songs, Atlantic Records. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen to them, they're all intro songs. Baby, there's no need to worry. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Reminisce, uh, reminisce. Our vocals are on them in the background, but we switched the leads, put Mary's Mary you vocals sure on. Are. Now that you now that you say it, mm-hmm. I hear it now in in the background. Mm-hmm. I hear it now. Yes. I recall. What? Yeah. And um, so Atlantic Records heard the Mary J. Blige songs, and they offered the guys who wrote the Mary J. Blige songs a record deal, and then that was intro on Atlantic Records. And we got into the studio with Eddie F., Novell Hodge, um, Dave Hall, who gave us some great records, Let Me Be The One, Ribbon In The Sky, and so many reasons. It was, it was really fun putting the album together. And we probably recorded the first album, i say, within uh, four weeks. Probably took us like four weeks. And out of all the remakes of Ribbon In The Sky... That is my favorite. The intro version is my favorite remake of Ribbon in the Sky. Thank you. Well, this this is our 25th year. This is our 25th anniversary. Rest in peace, King Green. Um, myself and Jeff Sanders, we're working on the 25th anniversary CD, and the executive producer, producer Rashad Smith is actually speaking with Stevie Wonder to have him add some harmonicas onto that or even some vocals for the 25th anniversary CD. So I'm excited oh. about about that again. And um, we didn't want to do Living in the Sky. Tim Patterson was telling us to do it, and we dodged him for like a whole week. He's like, nah, we're not doing no Stevie Wonder song. We ain't doing no Stevie Wonder song. And then now, he why did y'all want to do studio. it, though? Did y'all not want to do it because of Stevie? Okay. Yeah, yeah it was like, we're not messing with that. Like, come on, you don't mess with a Stevie Wonder song. Then they found they had Novell Hodge do the track because Novell had just did Come Inside. And then right after Come Inside, he told me, he said, just put a track together for Living in the Sky to see what they do with it. And we, and we went in and we did the song. It was like, okay, we got it out the way. But, you know, we didn't think that it was going to even make the album. But then, you know, got on the album and then Stevie heard it and he kind of reached out to us because we shot the video in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a funny story by itself because we, we shot the video and that night, because I'm, I'm a New Yorker at heart, and I, I hate really being out of town if I don't have to be. So after we shot the video, I jumped on the plane and came home. As soon as I got home, Kenny called me. He's like, man, you shouldn't have left because Andre, Andre, who's um, James, James Cleveland's son, he said he came to the hotel to pick us up because wants, Stevie wants to meet us. I was like, what? Uh-huh. I said, y'all going? He said, nah, we're not going to go. We're going to go tomorrow morning. We're going to be there the whole day. I was like, You was like, I'm on my way. <laughs> you know that. I didn't even unpack my bags. I went right back to Kennedy <laughs> Airport. And I got on the red eye. And I got back to Los Angeles that morning. 
And sure enough, they came and picked us up, and we went and we spent we spent the whole day with Stevie Wonder. He called over some of his friends. He called over uh, Terrence Trent Darby and Johnny Gill. And hey, y'all had like mm-hmm. a jam session. Yeah, we we we, we oh. had a jam session, and we we actually recorded a song that day. That's on the Curtis Mayfield tribute album. The name of the album is All Men Are Brothers, and the name of the song is I'm the One Who Loves You. And just standing there singing next to Stevie Wonder is amazing. It was, a, you know, oh doing goodness. his song was easy because he wasn't in the studio. But actually being in the studio and standing there with him is like, it's like an experience. You know, of course, I'll never forget. Absolutely. Now I want to yeah. go back though, because mm-hmm. intro, mm-hmm. You, you guys were really at your height, and so when Kenny passed. I want to go farther back than that. When he had to explain to y'all what was really going on, um, how mm-hmm. did that it, did it shake up the dynamics of the group a little bit? Um, as far as not knowing what would happen well, going forward. Um. Well, we had we had already took a hiatus, so we were we were just I won't say burnt out, but Atlantic Records they had us on the road for for so. So long. I mean, we was missing our families. I mean, we they sent us everywhere. We've been like, to Germany, Russia, London so many times, and Amsterdam. And you like, wait a minute, I'm American. We want to get back home. You know, like our right. audiences, like in in Russia. I believe the last show we did in Russia, our audience was like 350,000 people, and we were there with like stuntmen and. Uh, 69 boys And when you You know When you go there You have that When you come home You might have Like a couple thousand people So you kind of like As far as being a musician You kind of like Lose touch You know It's just It's just so It's so weird But we just got We just kind of got We wanted to just Take a break from the music And be at home So that was like Mm -hmm. From That was from like 97 To 99 from from ninety seven to ninety no from ninety seven late ninety seven to two thousand everybody did they was doing their own thing. Kenny went home. Um, I came back to New York, built a studio at home. Um, Jeff went and opened up a restaurant in New York. Then in two thousand, we got back together. Kenny came back up to New York. And we started working on the album, and that's when he told. That's when he actually told me, you know, what was going on with him, as far as his health and stuff. And um, it was it was hard to digest. Um, a lot of people um, probably think that we knew from from a, like like we knew before everybody else, but it, that's not true. And a lot of people probably think that we knew about. You know his lifestyle and what he was doing like that. Kenny was a real private dude. You know, he's like mm-hmm. you could have your you could have your your um you know your what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out, sister. You can have you can one have life your, and still be you can still be doing no, something. No, I mean else. you can have a, you can have an idea. I mean you can have your your you know like maybe maybe not maybe maybe not but I wasn't even focusing on that it was just it's always it was just always just like music brotherhood he's a really good person music brotherhood you know he wasn't like a, um I don't know if I if I had to write a book about Kenny it it would really show 
people where he was really a, a really good dude, um, real generous with everybody. I mean, I've met people. I've met more than one or two people. This guy, matter of fact, within the last year came up to me. He was like, yo, man. He said, I want to tell you something about Kenny Green, man. He said, yo, I was coming out of the club one night, man. He said, no, he, he was drunk and whatever, whatever, however he was going in the cab or whatever, whatever. He said, Kenny gave him $500. He said, he just gave him $500, and that was his story. Kenny called me up one day. Um, hey, mind you, during our intro time, during our intro, the album's out and stuff, Kenny is now Songwriter of the Year. Right. Like, he's like ASCAP Songwriter of the Year. He just happens to be my boy, and he's in the same group with me. But away from that, he was really a big deal in the music industry, and he'd do stuff like, yo, buddy, what you doing? Because he didn't have a driver's license at, during that time. He's like, yo, buddy, what you doing? I'm like, man, I, don't, I just got in, man. I'm tired, man. What you doing? Wait, uh, man, he's you like, can't yeah. just go past that. I know. Yeah, he's I'm like, he's, I'd be like, no, let me tell you the story. Let me tell you, like, yo, what you doing? Like, yo, man, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, man. I'm tired, man. What you doing, man? Yeah, he's like, man, if you drive me to the city, I'll give you $10,000. I was like, huh? You drive to the city? Yeah, he said, yo, if you drive me to the city, I'll give you $10,000. I'll get up. I got up. Of course, I got up. <laughs> got dressed. I picked Kenny up in uh, Flatbush, Brooklyn, where he lived. Drive out to Manhattan. Go to his meeting. Uh, Chase, we stopped by Chase Special Bank. Uh, put ten thousand dollars in that envelope. Bam! Now like, that was like the highest price Uber in the world, right? But that was just <laughs> his way of being generous. You know what I'm saying? We did we did a lot of work together and stuff like that. But um, you know, yeah, he's a really, really, really good dude. But back to the question: when we found out, yeah, I kind of, I kind of knew that possibility that our time together would might be shortened. You know, unless some type of miracles will happen, because um, contrary to to the story of his passing, there were different complications and stuff. But that's not what ultimately took his life. Which um, you know, it's not my it's not my business to tell. Right. But right. you know, it, but I, I read about it, it. So yeah. Mhm. So um. Yeah, we got we got we had a we had a um chance to spend some good good last days together, you know, trying to, to make the best out of everything and you know. And if you listen to the New Life album, you'll pretty much hear what was going on during during that time in the songs like New Life and um There's a Way and you know, that's pretty much his whole testimony, that whole album right there. That's why we vented. I have I don't Matter of fact, I don't think I have any writing on New Life because of that. Not just because of, of that, but it's also because right when we went into the studio to start recording New Life, Kenny's father passed away. Mm. So that was, that was another, you know, outlet right there. At that time, I didn't think New Life would be our last album, which really is not. We still have, like, another 20 songs to be released. But for... For Atlantic Records in that era, right there, like New Life is the last like like commercial album from Atlantic Records. So how does Anything that work though? Because you guys, so you guys still have requirements from Atlantic, or you just have albums that you guys already have put no, put no, away? Yeah, we we well we see 
what we did was we recorded away from Atlantic. We didn't let Atlantic pay for all of our studio sessions. That way they would own the songs that we give them to put on those particular albums, but they wouldn't own our entire catalog. Like all of our new stuff that comes out we own as opposed to having going into the studio on Atlantic budget and letting them have the bills. So, yes, mm-hmm. they own the intro album. They own, you know, those songs. If you want to release, if somebody wants to release Come Inside, then they would have to contact, not even Atlantic, they would have to contact the, the um, like, like Atlantic is just like a, the, a subsidiary of Warner Music Group, WMG. Oh. They would have to contact Warner Music Group to um, license the songs. Underneath Warner Music Group, you have, like, Warner Brother Records, Atlantic Records, Electro Records, and a couple really? other, like, mm-hmm. It's all under one big label. And so they all, they, they all just sitting there together, all owned by the same person. Yeah, Warner Music Group. What? And you have Warner, Warner Chapel Music. The majority of the writers that put out records on Warner Music Group or, or songwriters that have publishing deals with Warner Chapel Music which is um, a publishing company through there. And um, one of the things I can say that I'm kind of happy about dealing with Eddie F and Untouchables and Atlantic Records is that I don't really, we can't, we don't really have a lot of horror stories like we hear from from a lot of other artists. I mean, we had mm-hmm. health benefits. They set us up with retirement accounts. I was able to buy my mother a house from the publishing from coming inside. You know, not to brag or nothing like that, but Somebody, somebody was looking out for us where our nightmares aren't as deep as now. We have some nightmares, but the, it's not as deep as some stories that I do here. You know, I still get my little check every four months or whatever, whenever they come. But really, uh, and I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing. I think that a lot of times when people go into different things. I think you have to be really be marketable. And because you guys have the ability to write, you guys had the ability to do so many different things that it was a benefit for them to make sure that they had y'all okay. Because this is the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we want them to write. Okay, then they go write. Now they got albums. I mean, it just allows you guys to be universal. And, and yeah. it's a benefit to the company itself. So I want to fast forward, though, to the new mm-hmm. intro. How did that get okay. started? Um, with, with Jeff and myself, we started getting calls for just to come out and to do maybe one or two songs. Somebody maybe get maybe get married. Hey, can you guys come and do um, Living in the Sky? You know, so we started going out. We started taking stabs at love thing and let me be the one because no, neither one of us was any type of, vocalist close to Kenny Green. The whole formula of intro was I was going to be the producer because I I play keyboards and put tracks together. Kenny was going to be the songwriter and singer, and Jeff Sanders was going to be the choreographer to teach us how to dance because Jeff was a dancer prior to being an intro. He'd been to Japan and all of that stuff doing, like, hip-hop dancing and choreography. So that was the original chemistry of intro. So now you cut the head off of the body, which is Kenny, like we just by we just had to step it up. We just had to, had to, had to. And there's no way. I don't think anybody will ever, as far as I know, like Kenny Green to me was like the the like, God of R and B. As far as I know, I just happened to be in the group with him. But he he had he had the formula 
of going from like a new new jack swing and flipping that that into like R and B hip hop and then being able to do the balance and stuff. So the the in- intro today we've done tried to not replace Kenny but put additions in the group and we've tried like maybe four or five different people. Two which have almost turned I'm hard to work with. Especially when you make statements like, oh, man, I got some big shoes to fill. Nobody asks you to fill Kenny's shoes. Just get in where you fit in. You know what I'm saying? Let's put this formula <laughs> together. Let's go out. Let's make some money. Let's have some fun. Right. So all of a sudden, everybody, they want to be Kenny Green. They want to be Kenny Green. Well, that's going to take like 20 years of working. And then sometimes they wouldn't even listen. They don't want to come out and make money from the shows, but they wouldn't even learn the albums. They wouldn't even... Sometimes, like, if, the it was, if, you, if they would forget a word on stage, it, like, it would just eat me up. I'm telling you, Jeff will tell you, I'm telling you, there's been times where there's almost been fist fights because of, of that. So to to make a long story short, we kind of just broke it back down to just me and Jeff. We're going to just focus on the catalog, this 25th anniversary CD, get those songs out. Um, we've booked up to November, our last show for that we have booked right now, like November 30th in London, looking at the calendar, like for a wedding for this, it's an actual, actually an Indian wedding for a lady who works for Sony Pictures. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of we stay busy, but um, as far as trying to replace Kimmy or uh, or if, um, add another addition to the group, we kind of like pass that now. And people are like, oh, well, hold auditions and do that. I'm like, no, because we've, we've recorded new songs with new people, and when we go out and do the songs and while we're singing the new songs, they just look at us or they go and get a drink until they hear Let Me Be The One or Love Thing or Come Inside or Living In The Sky. You know, they want they just want to hear the classics. But, you know, I I'm think sure that everything happens for a reason, and I think that everything you do and everybody that comes in contact with you has to fit. And I, I'm not saying that Kenny will be replaced, but I do feel like there's going to be that one person that's going to come that's going to fit. And intro is going to well, be I'll tell you something. because you guys are still doing Tom- it. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you said that. Tomorrow tomorrow evening we have a very interesting meeting, and I know it's kind of early. You don't really want to talk about stuff before you before it happens, but tomorrow evening we're going to get in the car. We're going to go meet Eric Robeson. This will be my first time meeting him. And... Um, uh, I'm just, I'm just such a big fan, and um, you know, we're meeting him with hopes that at least on a few of the new songs on the 25th anniversary, which will be exactly produced by Rashad Smith, that he would help us round out the vocals so that we could just have like a total knock them out the box type of type of project that not just that we would be proud of, but Kenny would be proud of as well. Absolutely, and it's already done. I believe that you guys are going to have that one person that's going to come, and they're going to fit, and intro is going to be intro again. Mm -hmm. Now, I do have a question, though, because Innovative uh, Entertainment Group, that's your label. Innovative New Talent Reaching Out. That's that's the acronym for intro, but we we don't have a record label. We have publishing companies, but... We don't have record labels. I, I, yeah, I couldn't manage a record label. Somebody hired me back in, I think it was about 2000 and, 
three to be the president of the label. And I was president of the label, and I just got so frustrated. I just got so frustrated at the higher-ups. And mm-hmm. they would give me anything that I wanted. They give me all the money that I wanted. They buy me clothes if I had to go to BET Awards. They do. They give me a down payment for a house. And they, I'm telling you, it happens, right? But they wouldn't do anything for their artists. And that, and me being an artist going into the executive yeah. side, I didn't. I didn't like the music business. I didn't like the music business, and I resigned. I just, I, you know, it wasn't where my heart was. And I couldn't, I couldn't see myself treating artists less than the way that I would want somebody at Atlantic to treat me. And what I mean by that is that, you know, they, they're like, oh, no, we're not going to buy. Like, we got a producer. He's dope. I want to put a studio in his house. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. We're not going to spend money putting a studio in his house. Now, mind you, to put a studio in this kid's house, it would have cost about, at this time, the equipment that he needed probably would have cost like $2,500, $2,500, right? That ain't nah, I don't want to, this is what they're saying. Nah, I don't want to put the studio, nah, we don't want to put no equipment in this house. But we're going to go um, spend $5,000 for the week renting out the mini mansion in New Jersey. That was Eddie F. Studio. The guy, the, the guy who was funding the label, he paid $5,000 for a studio for a week instead of $500 to wear. You know, it just, didn't, it just didn't make sense. Right. Somebody's calling me in right now. They're probably saying, yo, you talk to more work. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. But I'm saying, they at home. You, you, they're at home. They're comfortable. They're producers. Would have got more. So they're getting more. And you get more heart saved money stuff. and would have got, they would have saved, saved money and got more songs done. You know, got That's more right. more product. And, um, That's right. More bang for your book. I just, I just couldn't take it no more. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, since then, I mean, I have uh, honestly, I have, I have like zero desire in running a record label. <laughs> I like writing songs and producing, that's my heart. But the day to day of the um, the record label hustle, I, I'm not gonna say never, but like right now, my heart is nowhere near there. This is such that. a cutthroat. Yeah. So you guys got the 25th anniversary album coming out. What else is mm-hmm. coming up uh, for intro? Any touring? Um, Funk Festival. I think we're going to be in Birmingham, Alabama on uh, June 16th with Guy, SWV. Um, that good. A couple other names. That's uh, June 16th in Birmingham, Alabama. And then June 30th, we head back to Europe. For uh, England, like a little short English tour, Great Britain, mm-hmm. and then we're back here for the summer, and whatever dates will fill up. I know we're doing something with the Lost Boys with Mr. Cheeks. We have some mm-hmm. dates in the summertime with the Lost Boys, and oh yeah, we have a cruise. That's right. Uh, when is this cruise? The cruise is Joe. Oh. No, that cruise is not until August, August 25th to September 1st. So uh, y'all are yeah, working. You know. But I got a question, was, because I'm glad you mentioned mm-hmm. going overseas, because my brother, he, he does music as well. And I noticed that a lot of artists go overseas and their music does better than when they're here. Why is that? 
I don't know, but I have in my notebook, looking over my last royalty statement, our number one market is the United Kingdom. Um, on certain songs, our number one market is Korea. Really? Uh, mm-hmm, certain songs, Japan. It's, it's just funny. It depends on the territory that picks up the, the records. Like some radio station in Japan, the number one record radio station might decide we want to play so many reasons just because somebody that works at that station likes so many reasons. And then before you know it, you've done – well, let me grab my little book right here because it's, it's right here in my bag. My daughter's being so good, I can't believe it. Hey, Lori. Hi. Hi. I told her I was going to be on the phone, and she's listening. I'm almost not used to her not buttoning in. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be right here. Okay. So, like, from, from, uh, from October, from October 31st, no, from, yeah, from October 1st, 2017 to December 31st, 2017, our number one market is the UK. And that's the first time that I noticed. And then as far as New Life, the number one market for New Life album is in Korea. Really? And, um, and mm-hmm. I can never understand because he's always over. He's always going overseas, and I'm like just understanding the industry, not understanding the industry and how it works. I'm like, why you gotta go all the way overseas just, to do that? Yeah, when music is everywhere, you know, music is everywhere. It's, it's more controlled in the United States to where they can cross brand and add stuff to it, and like, um, you know, you hear the same five songs. Over and over and over on the radio right. stations, but it's and not like that. And you want it to be unique too. I think that mm-hmm. you get a lot of different um, vibes and talent from mm-hmm. overseas. That is, mm-hmm. it's not here. The industry is so saturated where so many people sound alike. That's why we mm-hmm. get so excited when we have the intros and. You know, we have Mr. Cheeks, we got a little more. We get excited mm-hmm. at because it's like. I should try to get Mr. Cheeks on this call. I would try to get Jeff, but I know Jeff's at a party right now. His um, One of his friends is a party promoter, and she's throwing a party. So if I call him, it's going to be um, going to be pandemonium. But I might be able to get Cheeks on the phone. I'll send him a text and be like, yo, you want to talk? Nah, okay, we'll, what we'll do is we'll set up an interview with him. Cool? Absolutely, that would be cool. Okay, because that's my duty. Yeah, we we probably hang out like, well, not really hanging out right now because we're busy cutting these songs. But he's his birthday just passed, and I swear this dude must have like ten birthday parties, and I went to like five of them. My birthday <laughs> was I last he'll, Monday. He'll be in Virginia What's his birthday weekend. in the last oh, week? Happy belated birthday! Uh, let me <laughs> let me look right here. I'll tell you when his birthday is. <laughs> you find his birthday is March twenty eighth. Yeah, you know us Aries, we meet. 30 days before and 30 days after. He probably still celebrating his birthday. Yeah, Jeff is an Aries, too. Funny <laughs> thing, like, I'm a Scorpio, Jeff was an Aries, and Kenny was a Capricorn, right? And then Salt and Pepper, you had a Capricorn, Aries, and a Scorpio. And then Guy, you had a Capricorn, an Aries, and a Scorpio. We work well together, though. We do. We. I, I noticed that I work-wise, I do vibe with Scorpios and Capricorns as far as making being able to, I think that when you work with people, it has to be harmonious, mm-hmm. like 
Tony, my uh, the other co-host, she's a, she's a Capricorn, and we vibe okay. very well on the air. And in outside of music, outside of the show, we do other things in the literary world, but we just vibe very well when it comes down to working. And so I, I think that is true. Scorpio, Capricorn, and Aries, they do vibe well together. Well, we so appreciate you. We're going to have to get you back on and just have Thank a you. good time. When's the, when's the 25th album coming out? Well, the 25th anniversary album will be out. Like It's very, 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 very early. Like I said, we're going down to meet with Eric tomorrow. The good thing about it is the songs are already done. It's just going to be like the the best, you know, the the, the top songs as far as sales. Of course, it'll be, it'll be Come Inside, Living in the Sky. But away from that, it's going to be the songs, but there'll be some remixes on them. Like we'll have, like, um, 50 Cent, he did Funny How Time Flies. So we're going to put the 50 mm-hmm. Cent version on the 25th anniversary. Um, there's a dance music version of Living in the Sky. That's definitely going to go on there. But Shaw Smith is getting Stevie Wonder to come in and do something on, uh, with the, you know, with his voice, a harmonica, like I mentioned earlier. And right. I, I want to say I have creative control over the album, but I really don't. I'm, I'm putting it in the hands of Rashad Smith. Um, his name is Rashad Ringo Smith. He's also the music director for, um, Erica Badu, he does a lot of her music and stuff. He's, I think he has two songs on the new Cardi B album. Um, he did a couple songs on the Biggie Smalls, Ready for a Die. So I, I trust his ear. I trust him as a person because he's been one of my friends over 20 years. And not only that, he's well-respected in the music business by like the executives. So, I'm, you know, a lot of times I like to do things myself, being a Scorpio and thinking I could do everything. But, you know, if you <laughs> can surround yourself around people that you trust and you know that they can do a better job, then that's the, that's the right thing to do. God puts people in your lives, and you got to kind of see why they're there. And everybody ain't there to help you. But, that's you know, right. you'll figure that out in, in time, you know. That's true, though. It's very true. Everybody comes into your life for a reason, and sometimes it's just a season. They're there for a purpose. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times mm-hmm. we try to make people stay forever, but sometimes, you know, their time expires. Their time expires, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing all the time. Their time has expired because it's time for somebody else to move into that space and because you're going and shifting into a different direction on a different level, and you need to vibe differently. And so, you know, mm-hmm. people sometimes people react different to change, but change is a necessity. Right. A lot of times it just happens automatically. It's not it's not like yo man, I'm not working with you no more. Or you know, it's just the the calls may the calls going to either increase or decrease. The, the trips to the studio going to either increase or decrease. You know. That's but, right. Um, oh yeah, well, unsung. We have... We're talking with we're in talks with unsung to do oh. a, um to to get oh, an intro so unsung easy. done. That's mm-hmm. gonna be dope. Yep. So it's safe to say we're going to have some new intro music. I'm not going to say next year or the year after, but it's it's out there. I'm just going to put that in your spirit. I'm just going to stick that out there and, you know, just know that I know that it's coming. I'm going to wait for it, though. With Kenny Green, vocally. With Kenny Green, not just us finding somebody that we got at least 20 songs with Kenny that that we haven't released yet that are songs more towards the first album than New Life, 
because there's a gap in between intro album and new life album because we went from doing hip hop R and B and and the love songs to just like almost a gospel album and that was because of everything that was going on with us at the time but in between that there were a whole bunch of songs that we just didn't release but they're coming they're coming and it's not just about financial gains because because you know they did. Because I, I'm driving, I'm listening. I play together. them in my car sometimes, and mm-hmm. I'll pull up in, in certain places, and I'll be playing it, and that's just just to see like people reactions, and they're like, "I think that's intro. Sounds like intro, but it's not intro because I never heard it before." But you know, I'll, I'll sneak it on at a cookout or something like that, you know, just to see people reactions. But I, 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 I I'm so because I can't share them. Yeah. I wish I could share them, but, you know, oh, man. I don't want to get sued. Well, you can share it. You can share it with I, me. I, I, I ain't going to share it. won't tell nobody. I don't know. Once I share it, though, and then the distributor be like, oh, yeah, that song was leaked, so we're not going to release that as a single. Uh, somebody got a, got a hold of a couple of our songs, somebody over in Europe, and they started leaking them, leaking them, and then we had to get Brooklyn on them, and then they pulled that page down because – Wow. We singers, but mm-hmm. I, I remember back in the 90s, we used to go places and people were trying to bootleg out our cassette tapes. Oh, my goodness. We were turning tables over. Yeah. And how would that, I think that now with the streaming and, and how the industry has changed, I think I saw something on CNN or where they're trying to make, um, change the, the laws for music. Mm-hmm. There's some and, really uh, good things behind the scene happening with see. music. Mhm. Let me tell you, for an instance, from from October first, two thousand seventeen, to December thirty first, two thousand seventeen, "Come Inside" was streamed eight hundred and seventeen thousand times mm. it, within a two month within a two month period. Now, you know, not like the the statutory rate. Oh, on publishing for those songs as an artist, say if somebody buys, a, say a a nine dollar CD, put it put it blunt, off of every dollar, the average artist sees three cents. Why is that? Why is right? It? And that's your music. Why out of a dollar, you're only getting three cents, and everybody, three somebody cents. else is getting ninety-seven cents? Now the sad thing is, no one has ever brought a song. No one has ever brought a song, if you know what I mean. Like, as far as the music buyers, no one has ever brought the actual song. You don't pay for the song. They, they've either paid for eight tracks, they paid for a cassette, they paid for a CD, they have something in their hand. So now, streaming has changed the game. Absolutely. What do we have to sell? We don't really have anything to sell because one person could buy one, they could buy the stream one time, then they can just stream it themselves and just, Share, share it as many times as they want, mm-hmm. you know. So, with I'm I'm a, I'm excited about them getting a hold on on that. And um, back in the days, it was sell the music, give the T-shirt away. Now it's give the music away and sell the T-shirts. So you know, there's more than one way to skin the cat, but it's just easier to selling the CDs. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. I'm excited. So I appreciate for everybody. That's listening. That's been supporting intro for these 25 years, and you know, continue to pray for us. And 
you know, we'll keep doing it. As long as y'all come out to see us, we'll show up. <laughs> well, I'm excited for everything that you guys have going and coming, expected and unexpected. I'm excited for a new album. I already know it's coming. So I'm excited to hear some <laughs> intro music. Mm-hmm. I thank you for blessing us with your with your presence. Yeah, and you located, Leisha, where you turn out of? I'm I in Georgia. You You're in Georgia, okay. That's what's up. Yeah, and I, Tony actually is in Georgia. Well, she's, sorry? she's from Brooklyn. I said, Tony, she lives in New York. Okay. They have Funk Fest coming there in May. And um, so um, Nas is on Funk Fest in, uh, in Georgia this year. Ooh, that's going to be good, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys. I appreciate Thank you. I can't wait to have you back on. I can't wait to the funny when it when it get ready to drop. Just let me know so I can go out and purchase it. I won't stream it. I'm going to purchase it. <laughs> but I'm excited right. for you guys. I think you guys are going to be doing some big things. I to give a shout out to Jackson for making the connection. Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Stay in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're gonna okay. I'm gonna send send her a date, uh, to get and I want you to bring Rashad with you too. 'Cause I it's, it's okay. just interesting to be able to to get every all the avenues and be able to pull them together. I'm just really excited. I just know in the next two years we're gonna have a new intro album. There will twenty be a new, new album. twenty new songs. See, you said 10 new songs. I said 20. See, I put that out there. <laughs> We're not going <laughs> to give them all at once. we got to say something. Yep. Shout out to to Miss um, Francis, Kenny's family. He just His grandma was just passed away like two weeks ago. So if they're listening, oh, shout out wow. to Miss Francis. Miss Francis Walker, that's Kenny's mom. And Shanti, that's his sister. After Kenny passed, we remain tight. They come up to my house for Thanksgiving. And um, it's just a real good group of people. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you. Tell your daughter I thank her for sharing her dad and being so good while he does this interview. I think she deserves a nice... She should be here. <laughs> She's going to she'll be in the bed and oh, right now, 9 o'clock. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, and you I want to say hi? You guys... want to say hi on the radio? You want to say hi? Say hi. Hi. Hi, baby. Sleep well, okay? See, I'm going to bed. How long is bed? Night-night. That's my two-year-old daughter. <laughs> She's so sweet. Yeah. I'm excited. So I'm going to send you right, a date to bring you back on and hope to hear from you soon. Can't wait for the album. I'm just excited. Thank you. Oh, so I'm going might not. I'm gonna take it. It's gonna be a long shot, right? Okay. Lauren, what's what um what's the name of Daddy's group? Intro. Who's in intro? Lisa. Who who, who what the names of the people in intro? Kenny and Jeff. Uh-huh. And you. Thank you, sweetie. She got it. So tell us to say it so far she won't. Yep. Uh, 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 I know what my daddy do. Yeah. She said no. Mm-hmm. Uh uh-uh. uh. I gotta be on point. Let me tell you what he does. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. I thank you for taking out your time 
out of your schedule. I know you said 30 minutes. You gave us 45 minutes. So we really That's really all good. Thank you. And if I, I didn't have to put a bed, I'd stay here for longer. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so very much. Talk all to you right. soon. You see, you have a good evening. All right. Now. You too. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. Can y'all believe that? This is like, this interview was everything, y'all. So excited. I'm so excited. We got to have so many great things coming to you uh, from us chat. I'm excited that we're going to have intro back on, and he's going to bring a few more extra uh, guests with him. So I'm excited about that. We're going to play another intro song as we head out. We will see you guys tomorrow. We'll be talking that talk about who's the Mac with Arthur Peter Mac. Good night.